Well, good morning, everybody. This is Nathan Harris uh, from Celebration Center. I'm so glad that you could all join with us this morning. Uh, we're going to continue talking about storms and what we learn, the lessons we learn uh, in the midst of storms. Now, last week we looked at what we can do when a storm freaks us out. This morning we're going to look at what we do when we cause the storm. Have you ever caused a storm in your life? I remember a time I was a kid, and uh, I had I have three brothers, all younger than me. I'm the oldest, and um, me and one of my brothers shared a room, and my two youngest brothers shared a room. And I remember one night in particular, my youngest brothers had been giving my mom and dad a run for their money. They were kind of just bouncing off the walls, not listening very well. And mom was at the end of her rope. So um, I gave my brother who was sharing the room with me uh, the idea that he ought to go and go tell our younger brothers that mom and dad have candy for them. And so he does, he sneaks out of bed, he goes into their room, and now you got to understand, my two youngest brothers had been up and out of bed, I don't know, four or five times uh, at this point, and, and my mom, like I said, was just done. She was over um, over this whole situation, and my, my brother goes in, and he, he tells him, hey, mom and dad have candy for you, and he comes and runs and jumps back into bed, and and my two youngest brothers go booking it down the hall, looking for mom and dad for this candy. And and all of a sudden, I hear this explosion from the living room. That's it. And and um, my two youngest brothers, I see them. My bedroom door is open, and they have to pass my bedroom in order to get to their bedroom. And they're they're cooking down the hallway. They're they realize that life is about to end. And and so my mom comes down after them, and they get you know their bit of discipline. And come to find out, they had been told that they were going to get candy, and so then the wrath descended on on me and, and my other brother. Here's the moral of the story. Sometimes we experience unexpected and unwarranted storms. It, it just happens through no fault of our own. That is absolutely the truth. Sometimes life just happens, things happen, and we get caught up in the middle of it. But there are times when we are the reason, we're the cause for the predicaments that we find ourselves in. So here's the forecast for this morning, okay? Just as no one lives a storm-free existence, we also share this in common. Sometimes we cause the storms in our lives. Sometimes we are the cause of the storms in our lives. It's easy to say, not me, wasn't, you know, wasn't me, not it, you know, all of that. It wasn't my fault. I remember as a kid, again, uh, we would be driving past a warehouse or paper plant. And if you've ever been around a pulp mill, you know how bad they can stink. Well, one of my younger brothers would, would point out that my youngest brother had had messed his shorts or, you know, they were young and so they didn't quite understand really what was going on. But it was it was this constant refrain every time we passed this thing and it just stank that, that Lukey did it, Lukey did it. And, um, you know, my brother Tim was trying to communicate with everybody that he wasn't the cause of the stink, all right? It wasn't his fault. But here's the simple truth. Sometimes it is us, isn't it? Sometimes the storm is our own doing. Now, I love the story of Jonah. I love it because it's so real and honest and 
it's so much like us, at least at times, right? So here's the story. We're going to look at Jonah chapter chapters 1 and 2. Uh, we're not going to read every single verse, but we're going to look at, at a, a large portion of each of these chapters. I'm going to read out of the NIV. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there, and you can follow along. Um, but here we go, Jonah chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 1. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the of the Assyrian Empire, excuse me, and one of Israel's most hated enemies. On a scale of good to bad, these guys were some of the worst. The way that they treated their captives, the way that they harmed people, and just did horrific, awful things to anybody that they invaded. Uh, it was really bad, and so Israel hated these guys. But God tells uh, Jonah in verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. God says, I'm going to do something about all that's gone on here. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. We're going to look at why here in just a little bit. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They're, they're running around. They're, they're trying everything that they possibly can in order to, to keep anything bad from happening to them. Uh, picking back up here in verse 5. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. They're, they're calling out to their gods and they're doing everything possible that they can do. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down, down and fell into a deep sleep. Then the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. Typically, lots were a kind of a dice, uh, alternately dark and light in color, and they were used to discover God's will or somebody's guilt. Okay? So that's what they were doing. They were trying to, they were throwing this up in the air to the divine, hoping that, that the divine would reveal to them who was at fault. Verse eight. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where did you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. 
Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Through Jonah's experience and through what I've seen in my life and in the lives of others, we can find some common causes and traits to most of the storms we create. So I want us to look at some of those things right now, okay? So here are some storm patterns. Number one, if you're taking notes on your outline, number one is conflict. Conflict. At the heart of every storm is conflict. It may be conflict with God. It may be conflict with others. It may even be conflict with ourselves. But conflict is the single greatest common denominator in every self-induced Storm. Look back at verse 1 here in Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. You guys, Jonah had some conflict going on with God. We find out later in the story, if we read on into chapter 4, that Jonah knew if the Ninevites repented, if they said, oh man, God, we are so sorry, please forgive us, that God would forgive them. Why would he know this? Because this is how God had revealed himself all the way back in Exodus to Moses. He said, I am the Lord. I, 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 I hold the guilty accountable, but I forgive everyone who repents. Everyone who turns to me gets forgiveness. And Jonah did not, Jonah knew that God didn't put limits on this and he didn't want this kind of limitless grace to get to the Ninevites. Remember, these guys were bad dudes. All right. They did all kinds of horrific things. They would impale people on poles. They would sell you into slavery. They would do all kinds of horrific things. So God, or so Jonah was having some conflict with God in this moment. Obviously he also had conflict with, with the Ninevites he despised them. He wanted these pagan enemies of Israel destroyed. So if I don't go preach to them, they can't repent. I'm, I'm actually helping to stall God's grace to them by not preaching his, his anger at them. All right? But I think Jonah probably was also experiencing some internal conflict as well. He didn't want to be the prophet of God unless it was on his terms. Unless he could say to the Ninevites exactly what he wanted to and that everything he wanted to happen to them actually happened to them. Nineveh was hundreds of miles east of Palestine. But where did Jonah go? He went the exact opposite direction. He went due west towards Spain. Jonah didn't casually decline, he bluntly refused. Have you ever done anything like that with God? And, and when you refuse to go God's way, let's face it, we're headed for trouble, aren't we? Here's a little insight we would do well to remember. Conflict with God always puts us in a storm. Not because he's mad at us and trying to punish us, but because he loves us. 
His discipline is for our good. Listen to this from Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines all, or excuse me, he disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You see, God, he disciplines us because he delights in us, because he wants the best for us. He loves us. We are at times the cause of our storm, but the storm's purpose is not to destroy us, but to correct us, to get us back on track. A wise person will face this reality and learn from the storm. Listen to this from Proverbs 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. You see, sin makes us stupid. It makes us dim and dense and dull of heart, unable to receive correction, unable to receive from God the good stuff that he wants to impart to us, that he wants to pour into our lives. Where did Jonah end up next? In the bottom of the boat, sound asleep and clueless. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? You see, Jonah's conflict led to the second storm pattern. He not only had conflict, but number two, he had complacency. He had complacency. Jonah had become dull of heart. He didn't care about God, about the Ninevites, or about even himself. He went to the bottom of the boat to get away from everything and everybody. He checked out. He became complacent, smug, and uncaring. As he posted his do not disturb sign on his door and fell fast asleep. You guys, there's a huge storm raging. The boat and everyone on it is at great is in great risk. And even the captain is amazed at this point at Jonah's attitude. How can you sleep at a time like this? But have you ever noticed how when we are in conflict with God or others or ourselves, that we typically go from passionate emotion like anger to detached coldness. After a while, we just stop caring. We resign ourselves to whatever is happening, whatever is going on. We don't want to face the reality of what we've created or take responsibility for our own actions or the condition we're in. So we just zone out. We isolate and insulate ourselves from any meaningful connection with others. From time to time, my, my daughter does this kind of thing. When she's in the throes of hanging on uh, to her own position or passion or whatever else it is that she, she wants to grab a hold of. All right. Abby, you need to clean your room or you're going to miss out on the treat we're going to have after dinner. Okay. She says. But then she doesn't do it. She, she, she gets sullen and, and sulky and, and she detaches. And, and, and she, her attitude is like, all right, do it. Do your worst. That's fine. 
You guys, Jonah not only ran from God, he ran from everything he'd known and everyone he knew. That choice led to the final storm pattern in his life. Confusion. That's number three on your outline. Confusion. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, he said, and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah says, it's my fault. It's my doing. I did this. But his answer to the question of what should we do was, just kill me. He knew he had caused this storm. He understood he was the source. He got that part right. But I promise you, his death was not the answer. God still had a mission for Jonah. There were still tens of thousands of Ninevites that still needed to hear from God. They still needed to hear about God. They needed to know God's opportunity, his grace to them. But Jonah's view of God and his perspective on what was happening was so messed up that instead of confessing his sin and turning to God for forgiveness, right there on the deck of the boat, he just wanted to end it all. Talk about confusion. Here's the dictionary definition of confusion. A mental state characterized by, by a lack of clear and orderly thought and behavior. Listen to this again. A mental state characterized by a lack of of clear and orderly thought and behavior. Jonah was confused. He was about as unclear in his thought and behavior as I sometimes am in, in following certain instructions. There's, uh, I was putting together a box recently, one of those file boxes you can buy at the store, and they had had the instructions printed on it, and I'm like, huh? What? How do... This, this is stupid. I this, is, this, this doesn't make any sense. What's going on here? You know, I, I didn't understand it. I was unclear. Now, we know in hindsight that Jonah did end up from the belly of that fish turning back to God. He did. But you've got to understand that the fish was not the main point here. It wasn't God's ideal for Jonah. But it was the result of Jonah's refusal right up to the point of death even to admit that God was right and he was wrong. What might have happened had, had Jonah even repented on the deck of the boat? Why are we sometimes so stubborn? Why do we fight God so hard? Why do we hold on? to what we think we're right about in the face of everything. Why, why can't we just be humble? Conflict, you guys, leads to complacency, and complacency often leads to confusion. And in the cold darkness of our soul, we lose perspective, and our stupidity leads to foolishness. Just kill me. That's the only answer. But it's not the answer. The only part of us that God wants to see dead is our pride. 
God's plan for your life and for my life. And, and everybody is, is life in all its fullness. That's God's plan. That's God's desire. So what does it look like to calm the self-induced storms of life? It's pretty simple, so I'm going to be brief on this. I'm going to be skipping around here in Jonah chapter 2. Um, you can follow along with the verses that, that are there but uh, in the notes. But um, here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. God, you heard me, and you're listening to me. Skip down to verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Verse 9. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah turns and he says, God, you're it. You're all there is. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The way to stop the self-induced storms of life, you guys, is to realize the truth, remember the Lord, and then return to his plan and purpose. Re it, realize the truth, remember the Lord, and return to his plan and his purpose. When Jonah hit that water, reality hit. Inside the belly of that great fish, something happened inside him. In his distress, he called for help. He cried to God. He realized, man, I've been an idiot. Then he remembered the Lord. He remembered that God is good and merciful. That same mercy that he didn't initially want the, the Ninevites to experience, he realized, hey, that, that same uh, mercy is for me. You guys, don't dwell on your failure. Whatever it is, just admit it and focus on the goodness of God. And finally, <clears throat> excuse me, finally he made the choice to humble himself and to return to his God-given assignment. He said in verse 9, with a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. You guys, he chose to sacrifice his arrogance, stubbornness, and pride. He chose to sacrifice what he wanted also that he could obey God. Now, like I said at the beginning, I love the story of Jonah because, you guys, it's our story. Most, if not all of us, have created conflict which led to a storm, which hardened our hearts, which only confused us all the more about what to do. The violent storm that battered the ship had a supernatural origin, but an all-too-natural cause. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. God whispers to us in our health and prosperity, but being hard of hearing, we often fail to hear God's voice in both. It's then that God turns up the amplifier by means of suffering. Then his voice 
boons. You see, you guys, God loves us. God loves you. He wants the best for you. And the storms come not to harm you, but to heal you, ultimately to get you to turn back to God. My heart for you, for me, for all of us today is that we will see the self-induced storms for what they are. And that if you've been running from God, that today you'll return to him and his purpose for your life. Because you know what? He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are faithful in all things in all times. God, so often it's easy for us to look at the storms that we face, those self-induced things, and, and we just assume punishment. But God, that's a lie because you love us. You discipline us. You want us to become more like you for sure. You're training us, no doubt about it. But God, you, you do that. You discipline us for our good to make us like you so that we reflect you in every aspect of our lives. So I invite you this morning, right now, right here. God, draw us back to you in all things. For anybody who's wandering and confused and maybe in some conflict and uh, because of a storm, God, draw them back. Draw them back. Let them experience your grace and your goodness, your mercy, your favor, God. Thank you, Father. God, help us to realize the truth. Help us to remember you. and Help us to return to your purposes. Thank you so much for your mercy for us, God. Thank you for giving us your grace, for giving us your son. Have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys, thanks for joining with us this morning. I want to just encourage you, go this morning knowing how much God loves you, that the, the things that you encounter are not to destroy you, but but really for your good. Hear God's voice. Listen to what he says and follow him. Hey, listen, next week is my last week with you guys. So I want to encourage you to join us again uh, next week. I look forward to seeing you if you're able to be at uh, outdoor service, um, but also online if you're able to be here for that. So go this week in the love of God, in the grace of Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Spirit. Love you guys.